Thank you guys so much uh, for being here. My name is Wes Butler. I'm the director of children and family ministry here at Watermark. And so if Watermark's not your home, welcome. We are really glad that you're here. If you're here with a friend who came, uh, bless you. We're really excited uh, that you've come and, and joined us this morning. Let me just tell you really quickly what we are trying to accomplish with Dad U. So Dad U is, uh, it, it is this idea that we uh, believe that uh, our greatest responsibility as dads is to make disciples. You heard Todd talk about that. Uh, this weekend, and we're going to talk about it some more this morning. But we believe that that children are the disciples that God has entrusted to us. And so the question is, what kind of disciples are we going to make? Uh, because we're always making disciples, no matter what. Uh, our children are always watching us, always paying attention to us. But the question is, what kind of disciples are we going to make? And so what we want to do is each month, we're going to have uh, a time where we get to gather like this on the first Tuesday of each month to be equipped. And, and kind of the, the picture that I want to put in your mind is the idea of from the delivery room to the dorm room, that we would be intentional in our role as a disciple maker in our home. And, uh, and so I know we've got a ton of dads, all these blue tables are dads who have young kids, uh, and man, the, the, the need is immense, it feels like. And then as we kind of get older, we either start to think, oh, I got this thing, or we kind of start to give up, because maybe we feel like, oh gosh, I, I just don't know. And, and what we want to do is say, hey, look, you've got uh, a shot clock that John McGee has talked about before. You've got a shot clock of about 18 years with these kids in your home, and what are you going to do with it? And so we want to, and Dad, you equip you with tools to make you an effective disciple maker in your home from the delivery room to the dorm room and really beyond. And so I know we've got some men here who have college-age kids and, and are empty nesters, and so, man, this is an opportunity for us. And so uh, I don't want to talk too long. I want to get out of the way and give us plenty of time. Uh, Todd and I are going to have a conversation up here in just a second just to talk about uh, what he shared this weekend and try to drill down a little bit more practically for you guys as men, as dads. And then uh, at your tables, you're gonna see guys wearing these dad you lanyards. Those, identify them as leaders, okay? And so if you're like, who is in charge of this? There should be somebody at your table wearing this. And so these are dads that are either right there with you or a little bit further ahead of you, sometimes maybe a lot ahead of you, which is great. But these are men that we trust and know and, uh, and that they're just gonna guide you through some time of discussion as well as thinking through how do you apply this in your own home. So that's what we're going to do for probably the last 30 minutes or so this morning. So let me pray for our time, and then uh, as Todd comes up here, we'll just pray together. So Father, we thank you uh, for time this morning that you have uh, granted to us, Father. We thank you that we get to gather in this room as dads, as fathers, or fathers-to-be, I know a lot. And, uh, and Lord, to consider first and foremost our perfectly heavenly Father, perfect heavenly Father, this one who is our standard that you have called us to strive for, to be more like our Father in heaven. And, uh, and so, Lord, we thank you that you are a perfect Father who has shepherded us and helped us and walked along with us uh, and led us to truth. And so I thank you for the men who are in this room who uh, trusted in the perfect sacrifice that you gave us through your Son so that we might be adopted as your children and Lord, I pray for any in this room who don't know you as Father yet, that Lord, through our time this morning, through a conversation at the table or, or somewhere else, Lord, would you allow them to understand who you are? 
And so, Lord, for those of us who know, we pray that you would help us. We want to be good reflections, and we are very imperfect reflections uh, to our children of the Father in heaven. And so will you use this time this morning to make us more uh, like you, to form us more into your image and likeness, Father, so that we might be uh, great ambassadors for you in this mission you've called us to. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, will you guys welcome Todd with me? Good morning, guys. So Todd, uh, we are going to uh, just spend some time talking through uh, what you shared on Sunday. So just to kind of give a recap for those of you who may not be here and really where we want to focus, I won't recap because there was a ton of stuff. And if you haven't had a chance to listen, please go back uh, and listen to what Todd shared on Sunday. But we're in the middle of the series, Can You Relate? And Todd talked about relating to our children. And the word that, uh, that I've already used this morning is that we relate to our children as a disciple. Uh, and then you uh, unpacked for us kind of four Ps that you would say, hey, if we as uh, parents are going to be effective in our role of seeing our children as disciples, these are the four Ps. So Joe, throw those up uh, behind us here real quick. Uh, so you said presence, uh, that we have to have a presence, we have to have a plan, we have to be a parent and not, a, not just a friend to our kids, and that uh, we want to be passionate in the way that we pursue Christ uh, in that. And so what I want us to do this morning is just unpack each one of those as best we can and give uh, a little bit more substance and, and uh, really just application to that that you just didn't have time for uh, this weekend. And so the first question for us is on this idea of presence. So let's just spend some time talking about that. But you alluded to just some sacrifices and decisions that you made as a dad um, as far as your time and how you were going to steward your time so that you could be present in the life of your kids. So talk, talk about that with us. What did that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't uh, call them sacrifices. Sure. As much as I made, uh, I said I, I, I would consider them choices. Um, we're, you know, John Wooden, I think, said something, at least it starts like there's a choice we make in everything we do, but in the end, it's not the choice you make, uh, but the choice you make makes you. And, uh, you know, you, all of us are making decisions every single day about uh, where we're going to be and uh, what we're going to do, where we're going to invest our life. And, um, and so I just decided... You know, that I was going to buy into the belief that there was no pain that was going to uh, equal the pain of a godless child. So, um, is there something I'm doing wrong here, no, uh, DK? I think we're going to get you a different mic. Okay. It's all right. I'll pause a second because there's uh, nothing uh, a little bit more frustrating trying to listen to that. But I'll, I'll do this. I think, I think we got it cocked just right. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I made choices that I wasn't going to look back on a little bit later and regret. And so... Um, you can't sharpen, you know, a knife unless you're up against it, right? You've got to be that sharpening blade. And so I was my parents' dad. I, 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 um, I mean, I, geez, I was my kid's dad. And I knew that if I didn't play that role, somebody else was going to have to come behind me. Okay? We'll wait just a second. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I'll, and I'll talk for just a second. Uh, so, Todd, there's a, a book by Andy Stanley called Choosing to Cheat. Uh, where he just talks about the idea that uh, we're all finite creatures, we all have a certain amount of time, uh, and, and so somebody's going to get cheated because we can't do everything for everybody. Uh, and so... Yep, anyway. that's exactly right. So listen, I, um, you know, I, I used the story, the very first time I, I ever taught um, I, uh, at a large church gathering, I was in my 20s, and uh, I taught out of Psalm 127, and I used uh, an illustration of Billy Graham. And I talked about the fact that it was right after his autobiography came out. And I talked about the fact that God didn't need Billy Graham in China sharing Christ with 100,000 people. And God needed Billy Graham in North Carolina 
and that there was a young man that suffered in North Carolina that only God created one man to be faithful with that young guy. Now, I'm not saying you can't travel, okay? And people at the church went ballistic because I was talking about the Protestant Pope in a way that was less than ideal. <laughs> and um, all I was doing was quoting Billy Graham. Billy Graham said two things that I'll never forget when I was a young man in ministry. Number one, he said, I wish I would have prepared more. And number two, I wish I'd have been a more present parent. And so I thought, well, heck, God seemed fit to use that dude. Why don't I try and learn from uh, the two areas that he said he wishes he'd done better at? I used my 20s to prepare, and I used my kids' years to parent. And, um, and so I did say no to some things. I didn't pursue certain things. I wasn't looking to be um, an itinerant preacher because I wanted to be a present parent. And so I just made some decisions, okay? Our family enjoys sports, um, you know, and so I just said, if my kids are going to be playing a, a sport, I'm going to coach it because I don't want to be the guy rolling up 15, 20 minutes after the game started. And I knew that I would be because I would always figure the traffic was going to be perfect and that I could squeeze a few more things in and get a few more things done. If I didn't have to be the guy there 20 minutes before that thing started, okay, uh, I was going to be late. Secondly, I knew that if I, um, you know, wasn't the guy that was coaching, I was going to miss out driving them to and from. I wasn't going to get to know their friends. Uh, they were going to have enough of a hard time getting to know me in terms of what I did. I wanted to be known in my community as my kids, uh, you know, have a relationship with my kids. And I wanted my kids' friends to know me as coach, not as some other um, adjective based on what maybe I did. And so I just did. There were times I coached six teams in a season. Now, look, I'm not talking about select sports. Our kids did not go the select sports route. We just didn't do it. We made a decision as a family. Uh, you know, financially, it was partly necessary for us. I mean, I guess we could have made it happen, but we just weren't going to stroke a couple of grand a season, play baseball. I was going to coach, um, you know, and we played competitively. We did just fine. I spent my time trying to convince my parents of my kids' friends that you could have, um, you know, A, a life, have your kids enjoy sports, have your kids enjoy each other and play with kids in the neighborhood, and you're not going to lose out on your D1 scholarship. That decision has largely already been made, okay? When your wife married you, your kids are not going to probably play D1 sports, all right? So, um, you know, I, I, would just, I would just say that, um, you know, I, we just said what we're going to do is we're going to raise families where kids are playing multiple sports and they're going to have a lot of fun. But, but I wanted to be present. That was just one of the ways I did it. For you, it might be grades and school to sit down doing homework every night, having meals together, right? And so it was just a decision where I made conscious choices, okay? Because I believe uh, you must be present to win. Now, it's not enough, though, just to be present, right. okay? Because if you're present and you're moody or you're present and you're looking at your iPhone uh, or you're present and you're a jerk, Okay, that's not going to go well for you either. But uh, showing up is half the battle. It's only half, but it's half the battle. You want to be the one that when your kid looks around for someone to talk to, you're there. Okay, and um, so I did. I, I, uh, people, you know, I, I would always ask myself, hey, <clears throat> I want to set my priorities by asking myself this question. What are the things that only I can do? I'm the only person in the history of the world they can have a personal abiding relationship with Jesus Christ named Todd Wagner. And God wants a relationship with me. He's my heavenly father. 
One of the great things about being a dad is you start to get a little glimpse for the first time about how much your daddy wants an intimate relationship with you. And so I had to decide if I was going to be that guy that didn't need a dad, thought he was smarter than his old man, if I was going to sit at my father's feet and learn from him and be encouraged by him. So be present with Jesus in that one a lot, and we'll talk more about that, but I was the only guy that could love my kid's mother, and so I had to be great at being a husband. And then I was the only biological dad my kids were ever going to have. Okay? Those three things I had to be great at before I figured out what was fourth. Okay? And, uh, and so all of that factored into decisions that I and my wife made. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and so, Todd, talk uh, a little bit after you get some water there. And thank you for uh, being here when your voice is uh, awful, I know. It's so. just the flu. <laughs> it's just the flu, yeah. that's all. It's like I'm in traction. <laughs> so... Uh, I'll take all the germs for you guys. It's going to be fine. But uh, what, uh, what advice would you give then uh, to, well, talk about how that changed over time. Because again, we're trying to help these guys understand and in every stage of life, right, we want to be faithful dads and, and we want to uh, be intentional and we want to be present. And so how did that presence change? Because I think there is a tendency, and so I've got, you know, a 14-year-old, soon to be 13-year-old, teenage years, uh, they're, they're off, they've got friends that they want to go and run with, you know, more often than uh, they want to stay home sometimes. And so obviously just the seasons change in that. And so what did your presence, how did it change for you over time as your kids uh, have aged? Yeah. So one of the things that we worked hard at doing is having fun with our kids. And listen, there's many guys in this room that partnered with me in this. Uh, there are other families here who shared same values that we ran with. And, and we just determined to make it fun to be with us. And, uh, and so, um, we would get together and we would have game nights. We'd have family game nights. And uh, our kids used to love to invite their friends to come and hang out with us when we would, um, you know, you know I, I always, we, we talk a lot about uh, ice cream in a Wagner house, okay? And here's the big secret about Wagners and Bluebell parties and all that different stuff. I could really care less about Bluebell ice cream. <laughs> it was just our way to have an excuse to always have, you know, 15 flavors of Bluebell in our freezer. And uh, it was just our swimming pool. You know, we, we don't have a swimming pool. And so it wasn't a natural gathering place. But man, if kids are out, they're always looking for something to do. And the, one of the things they could always do is go to our house and eat ice cream. Okay? And, and so we just found things that we would do. And, and we made a bigger deal out of some homemade hot sauce than it's really worth. <laughs> but we just would, 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 would uh, we'd create things that people could gather around. And we engaged. We were in our kitchen sitting there on the weekends with our kids. And then we were just, I will tell you, we were, we were just, as they got older, we were fearless about saying no. And we were wise about saying yes to every single thing that we could. And we, we made sure that we, we talked to our kids about it. We, we'd ask them questions um, about what they, how they were feeling, what their heart was missing out on, what choices their friends were making, what it was like, you know, in that really 11 to 13-year-old years when kids start to diverge. And, and I'm telling you, you're going to see it almost every time in seventh or eighth grade. You're going to see when the break happens with their kids, their friends, that all grow up and they're all good kids. They all like each other. And then choices start to be made. And it's, it's tied almost universally to the mom and dad. And if the mom and dad don't have a biblical worldview, those kids are going to eventually drift, you know, unless they are just a unicorn, you know? <laughs> and, um, and that is why you want to find, by the grace of God, other men in this room 
who prayerfully are in and around where you're at, who have the same values that you do, whose kids you cultivate relationships, their kids with your kids, and you are friends with their mom and dads, and you spend time together and give them something. But there's going to be lots of times your kids are going to be alone. And, uh, and so you want to create some fun. I, I will tell you one of the things that I did is I always would look when, when we got to the ages where there were dances. Um, I knew that my, uh, my girls sometimes weren't going to get asked for those dances. And so I would look a month out and I would purposely make a plan with my daughters on those nights. That they would have to literally break a date with me if somebody asked them. When people say, what are you doing? Say, oh, and it, w- it would be fun. My, my dad and I, they go, really? Your dad and I do what? Aren't you going to go to the dance? I go, no, man, my dad and I are going to go do this. They always had something to say. They never sat there and went, um, I don't know. No one's asked me yet. <laughs> and so I was just trying to get ahead of that, okay? And, and with my sons, you know, uh, I would say, hey, let's do this on that weekend. And they might say, once out of three of them so far in, you know, four years, uh, dad, no, I might go with my friends to the such and such dance. Okay. And I go, great. If you'd rather do that, then, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. You know, we kind of have fun that where they, they knew that I was always pursuing them. So I, I was just as intentional as I could be. Okay. With other families trying to create for my kids a sense of, Hey, I don't care what the whole world thinks about you. You can know that you're loved and you matter right here and try to create some of that security. That's good. So let's talk about, you've alluded to it a couple of times now, but just the the idea of having a plan. And so you mentioned that this weekend, and and, uh, and I think a lot of us were just going, okay, what what was your plan? You know, what does an effective plan look like for us as dads uh, who want to see our children as disciples? Yeah, well, I mean, mean, first of all, Proverbs 14, 23, okay, you know, says it very simply. It says, in all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Okay, so I just want to tell you, I mean, I love the little phrase, start simply and simply start. What you don't want to do is determine that by the time your kids start college, all right, um, they're going to have, you know, written their own systematic theology, (laughs) uh, memorized uh, the first book of Psalms. I'm not talking about the first Psalm. I'm talking about the first, you know, 20 Psalms. Uh, that they, uh, you know, read the Bible in its original languages. Let's just dumb it down a little bit, okay? And what I would say is that you want to focus on values, okay, first of all. And you're looking to embed values. If your goal is to have obedient kids and kids that look good, you're going to raise them one way. If your goal is to raise kids who understand why you live the way that you do and what is uh, what are the, the guiding principles that you live by? Then you've got to honor those values, find a way to reinforce those values, and celebrate those values in the life of your kids. They need to see them in you, okay? Um, one of the reasons most organizations struggle is because they put down their company's core mission and values, and everybody knows they don't live by them. It's like a church that says, hey, we're going to be diligent to preserve the union, the spirit, and the bond of peace. But it's a backbiting, uh, you know, culture where nobody tells anybody the truth. That becomes an offense to kids mm-hmm. and to people in that organization. They roll their eyes. You got to figure out what matters to my wife and I. We're going to say, oh, our family's going to eat meals together and we're going to have fun. And then you're never there and you don't talk during the meal. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, you know, I would, I would, I would just, you know, that you're just staring at your iPhone the whole time. And you just got to figure out ways. Go, what matters to us and how are we going to start to reinforce those different values? So um, 
I have a plan. I mean, for me, there's a few little things that I did, and so many guys in this room have done better. I, you know, um, I had one buddy who just said, hey, he wrote down uh, 30 different things. And he just, uh, his kid's senior year, um, and just said, uh, hey, what you're going to do is every Friday, we're going to have breakfast together, your senior year. You're going to pick the topic. You're going to come up with three questions on any one of these topics, and I'm going to tell you everything I know about it. And so some of the topics were college life, what's it like, career, how do you choose, uh, women, what to look for in making a relationship work, uh, how to identify your strengths and weaknesses in yourself, overcoming mistakes and disappointments in life, um, uh, purity, uh, the, the advantage of community versus isolation. And the kid would just say, uh, finances, how to get a loan. And he would just have these things and they would go to breakfast. The kid would say, I'd like to talk about loans. I'd like to talk about insurance. And they would go to breakfast, they'd talk about random things, but he would explain to a kid over that breakfast about those things. That's a plan. You go, that doesn't mean that, that wasn't even that hard. It was just something. Our buddy, Rick Howard. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, we'll put a link up yep. to this. Rick, uh, you know, did something where he, um, okay, it was 70 different things that he wanted his boys to know. He, he counted how many weeks that he had from. 72, yeah. Yeah, 72 yeah. weeks, the last six years of his life. <clears throat> how many months there were. And so he decided to knock off Okay, one thing a month, everything from change a tire, change oil, right? All the things that a man should learn to do. And he, once a month, made you how to, how to pitch a tent, right? Um, and, you know, I, and he just went through and he showed his son these things. He had a plan. And here's the thing. It's not so much that your kid learns to change a tire. Your kid learns that you love him and you're investing in him and he matters. And you're out there with him spending time. How to change a battery. Okay. And it was just, you, you look at it, you, you, you read that, and you go, man, that's just genius. I go, really? That's genius? No, what it is, is intentional. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I had three guys and three girls. And, um, you know, one of the verses that, that right away jumped out at me as a father of young boys was 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. And, um, and so when it says, you know, to be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. Okay, be strong. Act, well, act like men. Be strong. Let everything you do be done in love. That little phrase right there, you want to shut a group of men up, just ask them, hey, guys, define what a man is. Hmm. And, and they'll just start kind of wandering through the Milky Way trying to figure out how to describe it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, hey, the Bible says to act like a man. Most men have never been told what a man acts like. Or they think it's, you know, some morph of, you know, some Marvel character, right? And so what I would just say is I thought to myself, my boys are going to know at least what I think a man is. And I don't want to think what I think a man is. This is what God thinks a man is. And so I, you know, I were, they were little at the time. And so, you know, you think about the best man, Superman. And so I just use S's and I use five S's, you know, that, that would define what a man is. That, that, that will put a link to that and all the resources that we make available to you guys. And it really is not spectacular. Okay. Um, there's a definition that goes with each one of them and verses that have gone with each one of them that each of my kids have memorized. Uh, I've did five for my little girls. This is what a godly girl looks like. And, and so they just became embedded in our culture. And there are lots of times I'd be with my boys and I would just look at them. I would just kind of raise up my hand and they know exactly what I was talking about. Okay. Like, Hey, the fourth thing we talked about what a man is, let's, let's execute on that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I just decided to make it transferable. Notice I didn't give them 60 things to memorize. Well, actually, there were 60 verses, but um, <laughs> there were five major pillars that I could fit everything in the world under. Okay, and so you're welcome to those. 
But I would just say is use that as a springboard to maybe something you're going to use. Or, or if they're helpful to you, use them. Make them better. Yeah. So Todd talked about just core values and, and this idea. So a core value is just a deeply held belief that guides your actions. And I think, Todd, you would say, you know, one of the biggest uh, starting points of error and mistake in the family is that we just don't even, we, we don't know what we value. And then secondly, we, we don't act like we actually value that thing. And so, you know, as Todd's talking about these practical things, there's a value that guided Rick Howard in saying, look, I, I want to invest in my son uh, in this way because I, I want to be an intentional father. I want to be a present father. And so there was a, a value there. One of the things we're going to ask you guys to do at the table and, and just as you go home uh, today is just to think through what are your core values? Uh, what are the core values that guide your family? And then to use those, as Todd just said, to evaluate evaluate, hey, how are we doing? Because if you can say all day long, hey, my value is, you know, unconditional love. And yet if your children never experience unconditional love from you, how much of value is it really? And, uh, and so, but if you never take the time to identify those things and to root them in God's word, then you're not going to have anything to, as a standard to go, okay, this is what we're trying to, to measure ourselves. A couple from. things I'll say just in terms of having a plan. Um, a book that was you know, uh, I think really used in a lot of ways in my life and life of a lot of guys was a book called Raising a Modern Day Night by Robert Lewis. It came out probably in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, not incredibly profound. It was just something. And what, what Robert talked about is how they'd raise knights and how knights would kind of go through some different processes that ended in, in a sense, a coordination where they're, you know, we've all seen those deals where you're dubbed a knight, right? And, uh, and so, you know, he just talked about that ceremonies was such an important part of life in, in so many um, systems of, of uh, raising nobility, if you will. And so, um, you know, we would install different times where we did special things with kids and not just around birthdays, but where they marked pivotal moments in their life. One of the things I, I you know, remember we did with each of our kids at a certain age, our girls and guys, is we would gather and invite all their friends over. And they would, they would um, you know, make a commitment. And we wrote out like a little purity pledge. And it just, it was a chance for them to share with their friend. They stood up and they just said, as a friend of God, I wrote, I pulled this up from last night. As a friend of God and follow Jesus Christ. And they would read this. I purpose to lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge God's will and way, which is best for me. As a faithful and loving daughter of parents who are friends of God, followers of Christ and loving shepherds, I purpose to bring them joy by living a life of devotion to Jesus. And I would go through and talk about it. It wasn't that much longer. There's probably two or three more paragraphs. And the kids would read this. We would explain to their friends, okay, not that our kids are going to be perfect, okay, but that this is their intention. And that, um, and that they're asking their help to encourage them in this over the next five to six years through high school. And I'm going to tell you, even the wildest kids sat there and you could see them look at with envy, like my dad, my dad would no more sit down and talk to me about the things that this little girl is pledging before me. She wants to be about and having a ceremony. And, um, and then all the friends, we had every friend that was there. Every one of our kids has a sheet like this. It says that this was Kirby's as a friend of Kirby's who desires her best. We purpose to love and encourage her. She pursues a life of purity, faithfulness, and beauty. And then they were there and they signed it. Okay, look, this was not hard. Um, and, but it was just something. We talked about the verses that, that informed our life. These were not kids that went to Watermark. Very few of my kids have a bunch of friends that go to Watermark at their school. It's crazy. But we just tried to do something. 
okay? And, and, and we were intentional about it. Um, I had a plan not to tell my kids what they could and couldn't watch within a certain, I wanted to give them freedom. I wanted to teach them the moral why, not the moral what. Here's another thing I just pulled up last night. I, I'm so glad I saved some of this stuff. But it, this was April 1st, 2010. And um, apparently back then, um, you know, this is right at the height of the Hannah Montana craze. <laughs> this is before Miley Cyrus uh, became the Miley Cyrus that, that sadly uh, is out there today. And, um, and she started to make movies. Remember the movies? Not just the Hannah Montana movie. But uh, she had a movie called The Last Song that was coming out. And if you were a 13 or 14-year-old girl, you were going to that movie on opening weekend. And I just wrote Kirby a letter. I said, Kirby, I want you to make your own decision. But I also want to remind you of some things you committed to. Here are the verses you said you wanted to inform your life. Can you in good faith um, believe that this movie will help you fulfill your commitment to that? Your friends need a leader. This is the letter I wrote to her. Someone who has honor when no one else does. A person who stands above others in their standards and choices. Who doesn't need to dream or fantasize about passion and extended time with guys on the beach. I'm praying for wisdom, discernment, and self-control. I'm happy to talk to you more after you look at what's below and read these verses and all that you've committed to. I know it's hard to be the only one who doesn't go to a movie or to a party or to X. But that is the life of a leader who lives with honor and integrity, as we have talked about numerous times, you can choose to be like everyone else anytime you want to be. But only a person who has been spiritually appraised and has made the choices you have made can lead and love like Jesus. Now, here are the things that are in that movie. What are you going to choose? Okay? Look, I'd look at them, and I would say sometimes, hey, and by, and by the way, that doesn't mean if she came back and says, we're going to choose to see that movie. Okay? That I would go, great, you know, here's 20 bucks. All right, we might ramp this up to another level because you have a responsibility. You got to figure out where you can allow those choices to be made and where the freedom isn't too risky or scarring or violating core values. I would ask my kids all the time, do you want me to be the reason you got to say no? Make me the bad guy. All right? Tell the world you live under an unreasonable parent. I would talk <laughs> to my kids um, about living as an alien amongst their peers, and that meant I had to be an alien parent. Mm-hmm. If your kids are not ever saying to you, you're just like everybody. If your kids are saying to you, you know, and not saying to you, you're not like anybody else's parents. No one else's parents are doing this. Okay. Unless you're living in a convent, you're probably not living the way that you should. <laughs> yeah. And so you're going to be an alien parent. And it, it ought to be different because you're informed by stuff that the world is not informed by. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you one other thing. I'm just stick this in there because I don't want to, I mean, the most valuable thing that's going to happen. There, there are some amazing dads leading each one of these tables. And uh, every dad feels a little bit bad about the job they did and wish they could have done more. But I mean, there's a lot of guys in this room that have done something. Um, one of the things that we were uh, next to psychotic about is who our kids spent time alone with. And I'm not talking about opposite sex. It's a whole nother topic, okay? Um, where I just was uh, convinced that high school dating was not going to cause my kids to prosper, okay? I didn't mean, I, I was all about great relationships with members of both sexes, but not a relationship. That's just flat crazy. To start to nurture and bloom and blossom that when you have no plan to plan it. But again, I don't want to get deviated on that too much right now, although I would like to get deviated on that. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about spending the night, guys. Let me just tell you something. In our pornified culture, I continue to talk to men every single week who experienced 
really difficult things that some parents say, oh, they're just being kids. They're just, they're just messing around. Listen, even when, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, you know, when I was a kid, um, that messing around can leave some scars. The messing around that kids do today and the experimentation that kids do today is leaving a different kind of scar. Mm -hmm. They have access to things that you and I didn't have access on their little phones or their brother's iPhones, and you won't believe how naive 99% of the parents that you think are good parents that your kids are spending the night with. Mm -hmm. Or I don't care if they're even over there till 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. We just didn't spend the night, man. Our kids, we'd go over there and we'd get them at 11, you know, whatever it was, and it was never easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay? But... Okay, I understood child abuse, and I understood that most child abuse kids are, are not abused by white vans that kidnap them on their way home from school. All right? It's done by buddies and brothers of buddies, and I, I, you can't be vigilant enough on this. Yeah. And your kids are going to be really angry at you, and they're not going to understand have the courage to be a parent, which really gets us to the next Yeah, one. so that's a great segue. Uh, is, um, just, you talked about uh, not just being a buddy to your, your kids. That's not our role. That's not our job description. But we are called to be a parent. And so, Todd, when were the times that you were most tempted to play that role of being more of a pal versus being a parent? And then what were the things that you put in place in your life to help you fight that temptation to continue to be the faithful dad that you wanted to be? Yeah, I mean, listen, I understood that I was a steward of my children. These aren't my kids, all right? I was God's provision. And so, um, you know, I, 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 a long time ago, and let's just see if I can find it, because I, I, I brought some stuff up here, you know, that, that might be helpful that just every now and then I pulled. I... I uh, I had a buddy who actually, um, I don't know if you remember Todd Worrell, baseball pitcher, right? Uh, Todd Worrell um, came to know Christ, and, and he didn't just have a Topps baseball card or a Fleer or, you know, Donruss or whatnot. He, um, you know, like a lot of guys do, they make their own cards that kids want that they'll sign, they'll hand out. And, and Todd found this before I did, and he put this in the back of his baseball card, and I, I, I've used this a ton. And I think I read this at some point, and, uh, and it was just really good, and, and it just informed me. And so I got around people that reminded me of my job. This book mm-hmm. reminds me of my job. I'm going to be a steward, okay? I mean, I'm going to be accountable for this arrow that is my child. And so um, a warrior is not a buddy with his arrow. He is skilled with his arrow. And that's what gives an arrow, frankly, honor and dignity is what warrior he belongs to. And so... Anyway, I want to read you this, like eight sentences. Yeah. But it says, dear son, as long as you live in this house, you'll follow the rules. When you have your own house, you can make your own rules. In this house, we don't have a democracy. I didn't campaign to be your father. You didn't vote for me. We are father and son, watch this, by the grace of God. And I accept that privilege and that awesome responsibility. In accepting it, I have an obligation to perform the role of a father. I'm not your pal. Our ages are too different. We can share many things, but we are not pals. I am your father. That is a hundred times more than what a pal is. Listen, I'm also your friend, but we are on entirely different levels. You will do in this house, as I say, and you cannot question me because whatever I ask you to do is motivated by love. This will be hard for you to understand until you have a son of your own. Until then, trust me, I'm your father. Now, that's not that great. It's just true. (laughs) And I just know my kids could have pals all around. They needed a dad. They needed a father 
who loved them, who was a man, okay? Who wasn't weak like Saul, who needed the people to adore him. Mm-hmm. By the way, studies will show you, like if you put kids, uh, let's just say we were in a room right here, and um, if, if this is like a, a park and we're like in a city like New York, and these are four busy streets around us, and you put kids in a, a field like this, and there is no wall around it, what those kids will do, they, they see those cars go whistling by, they'll, they, they'll, they'll leave balls at roll alone, right? And they will just all huddle up and they'll meet in these little six, eight tables in the middle. They won't use the whole field because they know what's out there. But they put up fences and they will run around like crazy because there's a sense of security. Hmm. And so if you want your kids to really, really, really have fun, you got to build some walls around them and say, this is the area to play in. And you make the walls as big as you can, all right? But you better know that there are roads out there that will run them over, and they don't need a bunch of pals who are gonna double-doll dare, you know, dare them to go do that. Or when they think they see something fun over that direction, they start running full speed, go, I don't wanna be the guy that says no. You better be. That's your job. That's why you look for every chance to say yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I always think of Galatians 1:10 uh, as it relates to this, and we use it in a lot of other scenarios. But it's just that idea that look, if I am, am I parenting, if I put it in the context of parenting, am I being a father to please God or am I being a father to please man? Uh, one of the phrases I use in our expecting parent class, I just go, look, I, I want to parent for the well done of my father, not the best daddy ever of my kids, because my kids will say, hey, you're the best daddy ever if they get that ice cream or they get, and, and, and they're just terrible gods because their idea of what success looks like for me changes every day and sometimes every minute of every day, but God's idea of success for us never changes and what it looks like to be a faithful father. And so if we can align ourselves there, and not live for, gosh, what, are my kids going to accept what I'm saying? Are they, are they going to uh, like the fact that I say, no, you can't go to a sleepover? I, I've learned that from Utah, and I've had those difficult conversations with my own kids, and even with uh, you know, some of their closest friends, our closest friends, to say, hey, we're, we're just not, we don't feel great about this. And, uh, and, and those are just not fun times. I'm not winning a popularity contest. Yeah, I and so, that. I mean, I... Uh, now, so much of the scripture that underlies each of these things, guys. I mean, that, that is, that, you know, Galatians 1.10 uh, talks about fearing God, not man, all right? And, uh, you know, Proverbs 23 talks about uh, being a present father who brings discipline. Proverbs 3 talks about reproving a son that you love. I mean, all throughout the scripture, I would tell you as a daddy, you got to live in the Proverbs. That's where I hung out with my kids all the time. First of all, they're pithy and they're short. A lot of times there are riddles and you get to unpack it with your kids. One of the things that I would do, okay, is I drove carpool. Um, you know, and I made decisions in the morning. And I'm going to eat guys with discipleship groups. I'd say, I'll meet you at, I'll meet you at 5 o'clock. I'll meet you at 5.30, but I'm going to be back home at 7. So you want to meet with me? We're going to get up early because I'm going to be back home at 7. I'm going to have breakfast with my kids and I'm driving them to school. And when I would drive carpool, all right, what I did for years with each of my kids when I drove carpool, I would always have a riddle. Kids love riddles. They all get in the car. They're all going to, you know, like this. They either start mumbling, you know, or, uh, or, not, or, or just starting a little daily gossip or whatnot. But when they got in the car with me, I knew I had like, from the last kid we picked up, we had like five minutes for the drop-off. And so I would always have a riddle. Okay? And I would give them a riddle, and then I would give them a proverb that was always in the book of Proverbs. Some of them are riddles. I mean, like, Proverbs 14, 4, um, where there is no manger, the oxen is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. So I'd give them a normal riddle, a 
Okay? I mean, I don't care how stupid it could be. What happens when you throw a, a red hat in the white sea? Right? It gets wet. All right? And you just have, you have fun with kids. Everybody loves riddles. And so that we, we'd spend two minutes trying to come up with different answers for the riddles. You know, they go, oh, it's pink. No, not, not pink. And so, and then we get that one. They go, okay, here's another riddle for you. And I just give them a proverb. I wouldn't tell them, did you always bring your Bible to my carpool today? I just give them a proverb. Mm-hmm. And then when they get out of the car, every one of them, I would just say, hey, guys, before you go, and I would pray over them in like 15 seconds, the application of the wisdom principle that we learned in the riddle that is the sayings of the wise. Mm-hmm. Off they go. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, again, it's not genius. It was just something. I was there. I had a plan. Okay. And I used what God gave me. Yeah. Which, uh, you're really good at the segue thing, by the way. You should do this for a living, maybe. But, um, uh, you know, I, so Deuteronomy 6 talks about the idea that we teach out of the overflow of our heart, right? That, uh, that we're to pass these things on to our children, but these things have to be on our heart first, which is that fourth P that you talked about of just being a passionate Christ follower. What you just unpacked for us was, hey, I was in the Proverbs. I knew these Proverbs. And so I didn't have to go and grab a Bible and flip through it and try to figure out what am I going to talk about today. It was just, it was on your heart and out of the overflow of your heart. So what aspects of our walk with Christ would you say are the most impactful, you know? And that, I don't even know if that's a good question because yeah. every aspect of our walk with Christ is impactful, but specifically for us as fathers to our kids. Well, you, you've just, guys, you've got to be a student of the word of God. You just have to be. You've got to have somebody who teaches you this. Do equip disciple, guys. If you've never been discipled, go through equip disciple. It is the best thing that you can do for your children is be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is the number one thing that you can do that will bless your child is radically run after Christ. And I would encourage you to go through Equip Disciple, learn to share your faith. Your kids need to see you talking to other people about Jesus. Uh, that will do it. Your kids need to see you memorizing scripture. Let, your kids will kick your tail in memorizing scripture. Your mind's filled with all kinds of crazy things. Theirs is a, a slate that has, it was, just put it this way, the, the terabyte of memory that they've got has not been filled with a bunch of junk yet. Fill it up with God's word. You won't believe how easy it is for kids to memorize scripture. And so, um, but they got to see you doing that. If you're not meeting me at 530 in the morning, okay, uh, meet with Jesus. And if you do equip disciple, we're going to teach you guys how to spend time with the Lord. What scriptures to memorize. Um, and then just share with your kids what you're learning. Okay? What do you feed your kids? Honestly. And the answer is usually what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of kids are biblically malnourished because dads aren't eating God's word themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so you got to cook yourself something up and then cut them off the corner of your eggs <laughs> and encourage them a little bit. Okay? Um, One of the things that we did before we ever let our kids, even with our closest family friends, spend the night is we had to memorize Psalm 101. Psalm 101, I'd call it the Psalm of Kings or Queens. And it just talks about the way a king conducts himself amongst the people. And one of the things it says in there is, I will walk walk in my house in the integrity of my heart. Okay? And, And I would just say, your kids need to see you doing that. Your kids need to see you being a man who loves and honors the things that you want them to love and honor. Not just when you're on, okay? Because it's who you are. And so you want to be an individual that models for your kids. You can't tell your kids not to go see the last song 
and then wait for them to go to bed and hope they don't walk down when you're watching the last thing you should be watching. Okay? Because they'll realize it's just a matter of getting some freedom before they go ahead and that's when it becomes okay. And so you got to model for them. You got to say no to some things uh, with them. You got to decide for yourself whom you're going to serve. And then you're going to do it with your kids. As for me and my house, that's we're going to serve the Lord. When you've got your own house, you can do what you want. But you want your kids to go, man, there is blessing. This is the happiest way on earth to live. Okay? So. Um, the number one thing that you can do is be a disciple. Make yourself a disciple, okay? Go through equipped disciple. Get your community group to do it with you. Do whatever it might be, just find Being here this morning, guys, is a great first step. So what you want to do is leave here, and then tomorrow, all right? Drive your kids to school and teach them one thing. Don't try and download it all. Just little bites, little bites, little bites. Yeah. Kids get strong when you feed them a little every day. And too many of us, the way we try and raise kids is we sit them down, have a big talk, stuff a big, you know, we put Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner together and try and shove it down their throat and think we did a good job. No, they feel sick and they're sleepy. You just want to feed them a little bit every day. Okay? Of the Word of God. Yeah, that's good. And so, Todd, last thing uh, I'd love for you to talk about, because I think this is, uh, so Ephesians 6, 4 tells us, it's an instruction specifically to fathers, saying, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And, and yet, it seems like uh, church, religion, spiritual disciplines can be that thing that we see uh, kids coming away going, man, I was just exasperated by this being forced down my throat. What, what are the mistakes you see dads make in this area of following Christ, and yet their kids begin to uh, be disillusioned by uh, relationship with the Lord or the church or whatever. You're not going to be a perfect dad. Lord knows I wasn't, okay? But here's what I would tell you. One of the things that you want to do is when you're not the dad that you should be is do the perfect thing, and that means acknowledge it, all right? You've got to be able to sit down in front of your kids and just own it and just say, I need to seek your forgiveness, Okay, this is who I, I want to be. This is the goal. This is, what, uh, this is what I told you I want to be about. This is the core value. Dad didn't execute on that here. And one of the ways to exasperate your child, and again, just that word just means to take the breath out of, all right, or the life out of. When you, when you pull, you know, when, when you aspirate your breathing, all right, to X is to from, to leave life. Okay, that's really what that means. Don't take the life out of your kids. You want to take the life out of your kids, you say one thing and do another thing. Okay, uh, or when they see you fail, you act like you didn't fail and you tell them, hey, you know, kids don't speak unless they're spoken to or, you know, don't you be talking to me like that, boy. Don't you tell anybody I did that. And kids are warn real quick, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. This is about appearance, not about, not about authenticity. And, and they will, they'll lose their heart. All right? And then be patient, man. You know, be patient with yourself. Be patient with your kids. Uh, it takes a long time to grow a man. And so you got to constantly reinforce and remind them and love them. Okay? You know, um, it's amazing to me how many times my boys have said to me, you don't think I do anything right. And I've just got to go, now that's crazy. All right? And, I, and, and, and what they're saying is, and they're reminding me, man, when we hear one little, two little, three little criticisms... You know, that old little thing, I need five praises or 10 praises for every criticism. 
And I do tell him to do some things right, but every now and then that world can start to beat him down. And so I got to be real specific where you're sitting down. Let me tell you the things I love about you. Let me tell you what I care about you. Let me tell you what I see in you. And so, um, you know, you don't want to, you want to make sure you keep life in your child and love and you get on your knees and you pray for them. I don't care how old they are. When you're on your knees by their bed, it's a blessing. And my kids found me there. Okay. And, um, and I'm talking about for 30 minutes a night. I'm talking about, they just see their dad come in there for a moment, get on his knees, put his hands on them while they act like they're asleep. Pray for 30 seconds, kiss him the top of the head and get out of there. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're younger, you know, you get in there with them and, uh, read them uh, stuff. But guys, listen, uh, simply start and start simply have a plan. Okay and grow it every year. If your kids are nine, you're halfway through. Uh, I'll tell you a last quick story. Guys, you you cannot take this serious enough. You just can't. Um, When Tom Flores was uh, coach of the Oakland Raiders, uh, he was trying to get another guy that I know that was uh, uh, out there first playing for him and, um, and then was getting ready to you know, be at the end of his career. He was going to be on the backside of his being on the field. And, you know, Flores went to him and said, hey, but we think that you could really have a career as a coach. And, uh, and said, you know, I'd like you to consider coaching. And he goes, you know, and he, while he still wanted to play, he decided that he was going to continue to think about that and listen about it. And, and so he went one day into Flores' office. He asked him, I said, well, coach, what do you think? He said, well, it's been an amazing opportunity. He said, but, you know, I'll tell you, you got to make some sacrifices. And then Flory said this to him. He said, the other night I went in and kissed my little four-year-old boy goodnight. And he was 18 years old. And he said, we're going to need that kind of commitment from you. And he said, he, 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 listen, that was the weirdest thing for a coach to say. Mm-hmm. But what Flores is just saying is, my little kid turned 18 before I knew it. I thought I was going to go in my boy's room. He was four and he was 18. And I missed out on the f- most formative years of his life. Now, you might think, man, he's only 28 guys coaching an NFL team, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, there is no pain like the pain of a godless child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my friend wisely said, that's not going to be my story. I'm going to kiss my little four-year-old goodnight every night he's four, and then every night he's five, and every night he's six. You got the rest of your life to do something else. This is the time to be a dad. Yeah. You will not regret any time you spend with your child. So good, Todd. Thank you so much. Yeah. So the, the greatest pain is that, and, and John tells us that the greatest joy is that we see our children walking in the truth. And so I, I pray that that is your desire and, uh, and your goal. And so what we want to do now is just give you a chance just to kind of dialogue and talk about this at your tables with the, the dads. As Todd mentioned, there are some amazing dads that I would love to sit at just about every table here and, uh, and listen to them and, and just kind of pick their brain. But they want to pick your brain, just hear what's on your heart. And so we're going to give you about, uh, you know, we've got about four. 40 minutes for us to be able to do that. And then again, we want to give you real practical things that you can walk away with. And so again, I've already alluded to the idea and everybody can do this with your spouse just to go, okay, have we talked about what are our core values in our family? What are the things that are going to guide us in the decisions that we make? And so uh, Braun Brown, I heard a long time ago talk about, hey, we just took the the letters of our last name and we created out of B-R-O-W-N our core values. And so we've done something similar to that. So that's a real simple thing that you can do practically. And then again, as Todd has said, 
those core values be the thing that evaluate, hey, how are we making decisions? So that they're not just things you say, but they're things that you're actually doing. That's, that's a fast way to exasperate your kid, is to say one thing and do another. You gotta be ready to live by these things, die by these things, order your life by your things. You can tell your kid he matters, but kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Yeah. I'm just telling you, okay? So, and, and again, dad, you are your kid's best hope. There's something magic about a dad. And moms are a big deal, but there's something mysteriously powerful about a father. Mm. The, the, the father is a mirror by which a young man dresses himself. And it is the means to a daughter's security and strength and purity. You better date your little girls and love your little girls so they're not looking around for the first man who will love them because that man is there. My daughter's new to this day, all right? They're not going to spend time with a guy without breaking up with the one they're already committed to. And I've told them I expect that to happen, okay? But, uh, I mean, I expect them to break up with me. I expect them to move on. But what I'm saying is right now, I'm there. I am that guy in their life. And so you want to be a present dad and, and uh, hold yourself up. Your childhood, you know, I love that William Wadsworth wrote a poem called The Rainbow, which is about his love for nature. And in that, there's a little line that just says that the child is the father of the man. And, and he's just talking about how as a man now, he loves nature because when he was a kid, his dad taught him to love nature. But there's a principle there, which is this. Your kid is going to spend the rest of his life getting over or being blessed by the man you are today while they're a child and they see themselves and what they're supposed to be. So get busy. That's good. Hey, will you guys thank Todd uh, with me? Thank you, buddy. So let me turn you over to your table leaders. And then the, the second application Todd alluded to on Sunday, but we've printed out those uh, 11 questions that Todd ha has up of just, hey, questions, a, a survey that you can ask of your kids to get their opinion. Hey, how am I doing as a dad? And so we've given you a hard copy of that. We'll also post that again as we post the media for this, a lot of the links that Todd alluded to, as well as uh, PDFs of that survey. If you want to print out multiple copies, we'll have that for you. But right now, yeah. let me get you to these tables. That survey is there to see... Yep. Your kids will tell you, are your core values your core values? Yep. If, the, if your core values aren't the things that show up as the thing you're most passionate about, you got work to do in uh, reaffirming those core values. So again, that survey was always a way for me to go back to, am I living the way that I think I'm living? Yeah. Bless you guys. So, thank you guys. If I can have your attention for just a second, because uh, Mike was good to ask me a question. I know some of you guys have to run off to work. Uh, but uh, mark your calendars for March 6th. This is our next Dad You. We're still working on topic and speakers and all that. But uh, we're, I'm really excited about what we're gonna, uh, what I think is going to happen next month. And so uh, we'll let you know that. Also, if you didn't register today and you just walked up, bless you. We're so glad you're here. Would you go today to watermark.org slash dadu and just sign up so we know you were here? That would bless us a ton as well. So that's all I got. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Hey, it is uh, 8 o'clock. We want to be good stewards of your time, and so you are welcome to hang out and continue the discussion, but I'd love to just pray for you guys and close out our time uh, this morning. Again, mark your calendars, March 6th. So this is going to happen the first Tuesday of the month uh, through May. So we've got four of these on the calendar, and so mark your calendars for those first Tuesdays and come and join us. And then, man, let me just encourage you, do something uh, as, uh, as an application of what you've talked about today. And so uh, whether 
whether it's one of the ideas that we've talked about at your tables tonight, uh, this morning or, uh, or something else, you just go, man, I heard that and, and I want to act on that. Do something uh, to, to put these things into practice in your home. So let me pray for us and uh, then you'll be dismissed. So Father, we thank you for uh, time this morning just to be with you, to hear from you and to uh, be with other brothers in Christ who are, are striving uh, to follow you. And so Father, we confess that we do it very imperfectly and, uh, and we are thankful for your grace. Thank you for your grace that is in our lives as we uh, seek to uh, shepherd our kids and the grace that oversees them as well. And uh, we pray that uh, coming out of this morning that you would um, just stir in us a, a passion and a desire to, to know you and to make you known in the lives of our kids, uh, not just in what we teach, but in the ways that we model and lead uh, and love our families. So thank you for these men this morning. Encourage them today. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time.